0: Yeah, I think it'd just be a cool look for us if we were just like... Is this on?
1: Yeah, I threw it on like a couple minutes ago. Oh.
0: Welcome to Toppins Talk. It's good to be back, it's good to be home. So excited to do episode 6 here. Episode 6.
1: I'm your host, Tim Kamarash. I'm your other host, Marcin Kazmarski, and welcome to episode 6... We're going to call this the SniffleCast? It's the SniffleCast. Well, it's episode 6, Revenge of the Sniffle.
0: We have both come down with a case of Sniffles, so if you hear the background noise, just ignore it, because it's the only way we're going to power
1: through this. Power through. And we power through. Okay. Well, we have a fun episode today. We are going to also call this not only SniffleCast, Revenge of the Sniffle, episode 6, but this is also our holiday special. It is the holiday special. We're all inclusive. All inclusive. Merry
0: Christmas from Hanukkah,
1: all of that stuff all of them <laughs> so on episode six on our holiday special we're gonna have some fun uh usual things that we usually want to do in our podcast so cereal is going to lead off like always but we have some uh debatable topics that we're going to get into later on in the mm-hmm. show which definitely going to be some for a uh, spicy conversation later
0: spicy conversation exactly. all the peppers all right well <laughs> i would like us to start and i i made a special request for this because uh You know, I made a point at the beginning of the season. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, That uh, Inter, we're going to, uh, we're going to take this one. Uh, This one being the Serie A title, get a scudetto. And uh, guess who's top of the table, buddy? Right after
1: Christmas. All right. So Ooh. you're they're on top Ooh. of the table on a technicality.
0: <laughs> on a technicality it doesn't matter. Winning on a technicality. Level
1: level in points out of the Champions League. I'm going to
0: take my dub all the way. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. I I think it's okay that they're out of the Champions
1: League. That's There's, more that's th- more league focus. Thursday night football is going to be so much fun for Interve
0: Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> I'm not even an Inter fan, that was just like as uh You know, Thursday night football is not all that bad, all right? I like Roma too, all right? Here we go. Actually, I only like Roma, but fine.
1: Thursday night football. See, if Inter make a deep run into that Europa League, or they even semi-play any decent football in the Europa League, it's going to throw them off because games on Thursday, they're going to have an extra day less of rest for Serie A. They are,
0: and I just don't know how they're going to cope with all the pressure of playing against all these top-tier Italian sides and then playing Ludigress on on Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) 32. Like, that's going to really trouble. Conte's going to throw out a team of children.
1: I'm calling it now probably <laughs> if he was smart <laughs> he, he would just just throw in the towel in that next round and then focus on the syria if he actually wants to win the league i don't even
0: think it would be throwing in a the towel their b team could be ludigretz i don't think that's a, a particularly tough team right. uh i'm gonna get some ludigretz hate mail <laughs> but our, uh, our, our huge fan base uh, in, huge in, fan in base Werber, for, in ludigretz. whatever yeah <laughs> so if you look at uh if you look at uh inter's uh next couple games they have some testing ones but they also have some pretty decent ones so uh, if we look at it, you know, next game, uh, Monday uh, for the new year, 2020, ringing in the decade, uh, Napoli versus Inter. And we were talking about this game not too long ago because uh, this is going to be
1: uh, really, we're going to see a little bit of what uh, Gattuso is about in this game. because yeah, they, uh, they've had some uh, a little bit of time to kind of gel with his style and his tactics and kind of maybe this might be the first time that we see more Gattuso's tactics kind of played onto the Napoli side.
0: Yeah, and uh, so then they're going to go ahead and they'll, they'll play Atalanta, uh, who, are of big course, match. themselves just confirmed their Cinderella story getting into the round of 16 of so, uh, the Champions League, so that's huge. So you got two big matches back-to-back, and then uh, they go ahead and they play Calgary in the uh, Coppa Italia, which at the beginning of the season wouldn't have been the biggest game in the world, but right.
1: now considering all forms... Yeah, top six side again, so they have, <laughs> they have some tough games coming up. So we're going like, to, like I told you on the last episode, we're going to see by the end of January what this team is made out of and if they can push for a title run or if they're going to fall flat in December, January, like I called at the beginning of the year.
0: Look, this it's fair to say that January is going to be crucial for not only Inter but the Italian League in general because this run of games that's coming fast and thick is, uh, is insane, especially for Inter, right? We were just talking about they have Napoli, Atalanta, Calgary, and Coppa Italia. Then they have Lecce, uh, which is given, like, you know, not the craziest team that they're going to face out of this lot, but then they play Calgary again. Uh some in the league. Yeah, uh, and then they play uh, Udinese, which, you know, obviously, but they still got one in them. You know, Udinese is still
1: one of those teams that that pulls a shock result every once in a while uh, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Juve's start to the new year isn't really as 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 easy as that also. I mean, they, their first game is against Calgary on Monday next yeah. Monday and then they play Roma so we're gonna have a little fun fun time for that one yeah uh, and then they play Udinese in the Coppa Italia then they have Parma but then they come back from that game um, I mean Parma always gives Juve a lot of a lot of headaches and then they play Napoli and Fiorentina back to back so I mean you have not the easiest month of January also for Juve so like like I said, January is gonna be crucial for not only Inter, but also for Juve and a lot
0: of other clubs in, in, in the league. It's gonna be a make or break. It's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of excitement rolling around in there. But my point remains that who do you want spearheading your team at that time? All right? Both talented teams in Inter and then in Juve. Conte though is gonna get the most out of any player inside that squad. Sadi, great coach. I got nothing against them. But if I'm the board and I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, I want somebody that's going to, you know, take care of my players and make sure that they get the most out of them, most consistent results. I'm looking at Conte. That's Couldn't, just... couldn't
1: get the most consistent results against Barcelona or being in the Champions League. Well, what? whatever. Everybody has a bad day.
0: So, I'd you know, it's better he has a bad day uh, for that. And uh, by the way, you know, it's better he has a bad day for that because I'm just trying to get on a roll with my predictions, because you owe me lunch. uh consider lunch. Uh, Aaron Holland <coughs> signed for BVB
1: instead of Juve. Yeah, I, I, I sent up a, a, a very early text because I was really excited last week because there was a lot of reports about Holland going to Juve, and I was, I'm was really excited because I think he's a great player, and I hope one day he does end up at Juve, but it won't be for 30 mil at this point. It'll be for like <laughs> 120. Yeah. Um. So I'm really bummed out about Holland because I rate the kid highly. I think he was, He's Not to say that he's what Juve needed, but he's definitely what Juve needed moving forward because he's going 32. Ronaldo's going to be 35 next month. So you have some aging forwards in the Juve roster. I would have really liked them to sign a guy that's really been, uh, not to say proven, but he's, he's shown that he could do it at the highest level and at that young of an age. So I was really excited about... UA potentially signing Holland, but that's not going to happen unless it's going to be in like three years for like 150 mil <laughs> if oh, he blows man. up. <laughs> I got it.
0: I got to say, if you're looking at players, UA really should have dropped the dime on him. Yep. Like that's, ah oh man, that's, that's something that they might regret. You know, that's, uh, it's a big opportunity missed miss for yeah. uh, for several clubs. Manchester United being one too, but I thought that was laughable. You know, considering all the other options that he had. I
1: feel like if he went to United, it was just going to be because United were just going to break the bank and pay him the most amount of money I salary wise. Yeah. But I couldn't really see him going there right now for to spearhead the attack, like especially with the shambles then that club i feel like doesn't have a really good direction of which yeah. which way they want to go right now i like the way we went
0: from like inter juve all the way down to we gotta we're we're the least to focus on uh on what we're actually talking about yeah we
1: have we have an itinerary we are we're not we even gotta get on. we gotta get to the we back, on get track. To, back on yeah all right do. so we talked about inter juve but i obviously i want to talk about something that's uh, influences you a lot since you're a roma fan and that's the new ownership at or the potential new ownership of roma Right, so uh, for those who don't know, Roma are
0: changing ownership. uh, They were formerly owned by uh, Jim Polotta, and uh, he encouraged a lot of mixed emotions from fans. He, uh, from several people that uh, I follow and interact with on Twitter, they felt that he took the club from being a family-owned club uh, to being a modern international club. Uh, But you know, some fans, including myself, didn't like the way that. Uh, he handled business towards the back end. It always seemed like he was always looking for the
1: next flip uh, as far as the club goes. Instead, um, instead of building it for the future and building yeah. a foundation for a club to continue fighting for titles and, and winning trophies.
0: Yeah, so really, I think to uh, to formally assess that Roma shift, you have to look at what was, what is, and what is going forward, right? So what was was a pretty great deal of success. I think he did okay as the owner of a club. Uh there are a couple of people I follow that said, you know, you couldn't really blame him for what happened on their Monchi because he asked him for full control. Monchi Madness. Monchi Madness, and he gave it to him. Uh, so, you know, you couldn't really blame him on that. Uh, but, you know, as far as what happened in the past, you know, they had a couple good title runs that they were looking for. Uh, you know, Juve always seemed to edge them out in the end over the
1: uh, last decade. Yeah, those are some good title runs that Roma did put up some fights against Juve. Or uh, trying to win some scudetto is just a couple couple key points throughout the season. That's what what's wins you the title at the end of the day,
0: right? And you know the I think what you know he and the club in general could be found guilty on is uh, trying to moneyball their way into a into a top uh, top position. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, he always seemed like uh, you know taking taking Monchi, for example. You know a lot of people were kissing the ground the guy I walked on before. Uh, he was at Roma because he had this habit of unearthing these talents all over the place. But he was unearthing these talents because it was like, you know, it was like one in every so many signings. But that's going to work at a smaller club. It's not going to work at a club of the size of Roma. So I think when you look at the present, the present is the end result of that. We're, we're again on a reconstructive side. And, uh, you know, with the strained relationship, that he had with the fan base, especially after how he handled Totti and the Rossi's exits. Um, you know, he was found, you know, he's just kind of found out at the end of the day. I think that's the only way you could put it. Uh, so, you know, if that's, if that's what is right now and what is, is that we're a rebuilding club, then the only way to assess if the shift in ownership is going to be good is to assess what's changing, what's going to be better, and what, uh, you know, Fredkin Group is going to do uh, that, you know, the previous owners didn't. And my biggest issue with this change of ownership is that it's not answering any of these questions. You have all these questions, right? Uh, only thing that they've come out and said is that, you know, we're confident we're going to take, uh, we're going to take Rome over, uh, you know, by the end of the year. And that's really the only th- positive news that's come out of it. No, we plan on investing in this, we plan on reconstructing this, we
1: plan on Getting like, you into your new stadium, right? Overhauling the team and building the new the new, the new grounds and fighting right. for trophies—that's what we want. That's what the fans want to hear you say. But right. there's no there's no information. There's no news. There's no. It's all on the reps right? It's and, all very quiet. Yeah.
0: Which, considering some of uh, some of our fan base, may be a good idea. Some Maybe. people jump the gun, get a little too excited, get a little too critical uh, immediately. Clearly, I'm the one that's even second guessing this group, and they're not even in ownership yet. Uh, but true. that is, it's interesting times for Roma. Uh, it's particularly interesting to me as well because they were linked to being bought out by a Qatar club, or I'm sorry, by a Qatar, Qatar uh, ownership. ownership. Right. Uh, and that was being linked for a while. And that would have been obviously like bonkers
1: money. Um, yeah, that would have been essentially PSG. yeah Yeah. man city psg and then you would have roma so you have some yeah a lot of money dumped into the club and you could see that the club was going to try to invest into players and try to bring those marquee signings in if that's the direction it went but obviously now you have to wait and see what this ownership group wants to do in terms of building that squad for the future
0: yeah and i mean this ownership is based out of houston all right uh so this ownership based out of houston uh, Liverpool have obviously had great success over a long period of time with the uh, with Boston's right. uh, sports management company. Right. Uh, I think John W. Henry yep. is uh, the owner over there. Yes, he is. And he's he's done ex- excellently uh, with Liverpool, where I think he is setting an example for positive ownership of American or positive American ownership overseas of overseas, right. uh, in a in a good facilitating way because obviously. A lot of American owners have come into Serie A clubs and it hasn't always worked out. Um, so you know, that's that's my take on it. So that's what I'm excited about. I so, hope it's I hope it's a good look.
1: Yeah. Hopefully when there's some new n- announcements or some big new news we'll we'll definitely cover it here, especially Tim being a, uh, a Roma yeah. fan. I'm so. already on it. I'm so, looking for it. <laughs> exactly. But let's kind of move this into Obviously, it's the end of the year. So there's a lot of people are doing like team of the decades and, and a lot of those kind of like lists for the last 10 years. But we're, we want to focus more on the, the last essentially six months of the, of the campaign so far in Syria. And we want to talk about a little bit instead of the best of the decade. Let's talk about the worst, the most underperforming teams in Syria over so far this campaign, the, 19, the 1920 campaign. And kind of what they need for Christmas. And if you would like to what is... The title of this segment is I've dubbed this
0: I've dubbed it I've dubbed it And I'm gonna wake you Wait for it
1: Okay Wait for it
0: It's Marson's Christmas Holiday Extravaganza Yeah Part it one, is part 1 part 1 of part 1 of today's two episodes. Martins so. Christmas holiday extravaganza, we're going to see what gifts we can give clubs who are struggling in the Serie A and uh we have four listed. Yes. And so uh, we'll let f- we'll I'll f- let him take charge of his segment. <laughs> the, the,
1: the four the four clubs that we have listed in terms of underperformance in Serie A so far this season. So like I said, so far this season, we have four. It's Napoli, AC Milan, Sampdoria and Fiorentina. So essentially what we're going to do is we're going to—me and Tim each got both two clubs, and we're going to see what we can kind of gift them over for Christmas or however you want to call mm-hmm. it um, to help them out for the second half of the season. So I'm going to let Tim start off with one of his clubs, and that's going to be AC Milan. So Tim, what would you gift AC Milan for the second half of the season? I would gift them Matt Santi.
0: I'm just kidding. That was a <laughs> shot to one of our friends uh, because he's he's probably the biggest Milan fan that I know. Uh, and I'm curious to see if you know if you listen to this, if you would agree with me on uh, on a couple of these points. But uh, the point remains that Milan are in a very difficult position right now as a club, right? They backed out of the Europa League because of financial fair play restrictions. Thank so you. they're still trying to build, uh, still trying to build where they're at. But they gave uh, a lot of so,
1: money to Zlatan, so. Uh,
0: yeah. So that's a move that I I actually I messaged. Uh, a couple people, <laughs> I just said, why? <laughs> you know, he's not going to do, you have uh, Rafael Leo, uh, Christoph Piontek, like guys, like, you know, pr- good, not that they're proven
1: goal scorers, but they're talented players that You spend a, a lot right of money system. on too. I mean, you invested last January into Piontek over 40 million. And so. Case in point. So what exactly. are you going to do? Buy the buy
0: Zlatan now and have what? Zlatan show him how to score goals. The guy's been scoring goals. It's the system that's the problem. Right. Uh, and they've changed, obviously, managers pretty uh, frequently and uh, recently. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you name any adjective, and it's pretty pretty accurate. Uh, Milan, however, uh, I don't think they need a center forward. Center forward seems to be what everybody says, oh, they're lacking goals. They're not lacking goals because they don't have talent in the center forward position. They're lacking goals because the buildup is not there. There's no confidence in the team to build up play. Um that said, I think a center back would be first priority uh, to pair with Romagnoli. Uh, and I think Samuel Ntiti would be a great shout. He's kind of fallen out of favor at Barca. Uh, okay. I think he would be a great shout because, uh, you know, he's a super talented center back, French national team. Uh, proving- I've
1: had some injuries. Yeah, I mean, he's he's fallen off a bit, but... So, so like, a six-month, like, loan, for example, to try to get him back on a form. I think I feel like that would be, a, like, to your point, that would be beneficial for not only Barca, but for Milan. Like, Barca yeah. not only get him off the wages for, for six months, but he can kind of rekindle his form if Barca want to sell him on in the summer back to Milan or to whoever. It works out for them. Yeah, And then Milan get a temporary fix in terms of fixing out their defense and get a really talented center back because that
0: right. guy's great. Yeah, and you know the the other part of it is when you bring a super talented center back in. Uh, first of all, obviously that calms down your other center back. Right. Roman Uli obviously is is there to there to stay. He's got he's on big wages. He's he's doing real well. Right. Um, you pair you get a good center back partnership. The rest of the team thrives off of that because you're more comfortable going forward and building forward when you know that defensively you're organized by two guys doing exactly what they need to be doing at all times,
1: right? And, and that East is also the pressure off Donnarumma because he's like, hey, I have two studs in front of me. Like, they're going to take care of all the sloppy work I'm going to have less to do on my end, which right. is in turn going to make Donnarumma look even better.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, so that that's my short-term fix for them defensively. TT holding down the back with Romagnoli, let Teo Hernandez do his thing, uh, you know, and, you know, Conte on the other side is just as good going forward as he is defensively. So I think their defense would just help provide a structure for the rest of their attack to base off of Build from the backup yeah because if you look at their midfield their midfield isn't particularly bad benesera is a great player in my opinion Mm -hmm. uh he's uh frank kessie may not be the most brilliant technical player in the world but he puts himself around the pitch lot he you know he bleeds for the badge you got to love that and uh you know uh uh, bonaventura is i think he's an excellent technical player Mm -hmm. so you know if you look in that midfield you have a hard man in there. You have a box-to-box midfielder, and you have a creative force. What more do you need? Right. So for that reason, I don't think for that reasoning alone, I don't think they need a center mid. The other gift I think that should be under their tree is uh, a left winger, uh, and that is because uh, they they're in desperate need of one. You know, I'm sorry, but uh, Chenanolu
1: is he's not it. Well, I, don't I, know, I feel wing. like people saw him bang in, like, one, like free, <laughs> like, free kick one time from, like, 50 out. And they're just like, this guy. This me, guy's is it. Assignment. Yeah.
0: So, uh, you know, I actually think uh, Josef uh, Beccalo, uh, he's Croatian. Uh, so, actually, ironically, I think that, uh, I think that, me, you just rolled your eyes at me. Yeah, because I don't know,
1: you go with the Eastern European dude.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to go with the Eastern, because they took the wrong Eastern European out of the Bundesliga. They took Rebic and... Yeah my everybody was so hyped on rebic and you know i'm all about you know i'm all about you know baltic players and you know i'm all about you know uh, you know croatians are awesome footballers but yeah you know, this guy fit a croatian system because he was comfortable with everybody there he is so clearly uncomfortable in italy and not sure of himself and second guessing everything that he just it's not a good look for anybody involved so i think it's, i think that's why they need uh, a solid left winger suso's not going to give you uh, any real pace in behind, he's always gonna check it onto his left and swing it in. And uh, Brecolo, I think he does a good job of being pacey, direct, and getting in, uh, getting in on the goal. Cool. So I think that's that's my Christmas uh,
1: slash holiday wish list, Who wishes for Milan, for Milan. Cool. Well, I'm gonna kick us off with Fiorentina first. And I think what Fiorentina need, if you kind of look at them in this, especially in the standings towards the bottom, they're in fifteenth. Uh, they've surrendered 28 goals so far this season, which is a lot. It's a, it's, 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 a, it's, a whole lot. It's a lot of goals. Um, so my gift to them would be a new center back. Now, if you look at Fiorentina's kind of roster and kind of how their their team's kind of structured out, they have some position players where they're kind of, I think, set, or at least they have quality. So you have, you have players like Marco Benassi that can play in the midfield. You have players like Chiesa, Ribéry. You have Boateng. You, you have uh, players Dragovski in goal. Uh, so you have some decent midfield and some offensive options to kind of create. But I feel like that defense is lacking. Right. So some new center backs, I think, is what I would gift Fiorentina for the holiday seasons. And some names that just kind of spring to mind would be someone maybe like Eric Bailly or Christensen from Chelsea. So same thing kind of like what you mentioned with the MTT kind of move, like a six-month loan just to kind of get them both. Mm-hmm. Na- uh, some more uh, appearances, some more match time. Off- Bailly just came back from injury. I'm mm. sure he's gonna want to play, and of course, I don't. I don't see where he's gonna fit in into the United starting eleven. Right. Uh, Christensen also has some blockage ahead of him, especially with Tomori just kind of like taking off this year and and being that center back rock that Lampard really wanted. Yeah. So I feel like those both those guys kind of moving to a Serie a, like a, like a team that's that's supposed to be a mid table team and trying to get some more appearances, some more minutes under their belt, uh, and kind of build up that confidence. I think would be crucial just because Fiorentina can be like, hey, we have these. We have one of these guys at the back. Um, We can kind of build up, kind of to your point before with what we were mentioning from Milan, like you build from the back. So you have Fiorentina with their solid defensive structure if they get some new center backs in. And then Ribéry, Chiesa, uh, Boateng, and the rest of that kind of like offense can just kind of do what they please up top. And you don't have really worry as much about it. So my gift to Fiorentina would be some new center backs.
0: That's a good shot. And you got to also look at uh, Chris Smalling came over to Roma, and not a lot of people were backing him. Uh, Except for me. I thought he was going to do well. Uh, uh, All right. Sniffle sniffle and cough uh, podcast. Uh, So, you know, you look at the EPL defenders that are coming over and they're finding, uh, you know, they're finding a home in Syria and they're finding a love for the culture. And I think that, you know, I couldn't agree more with you on those those picks. Uh, So let's go to... Uh, the third team here, let's go to Sampdoria. Okay, what do you got for Sampdoria? Uh, what are you gifting them? Um, well, first of all, they got the greatest gift that ever walked this earth, and that's Claudio Agnieri because, I mean, the tinker man. You got to love him. Uh, and he's also pulled them out of the relegation zone, uh, which is a really great shot for them given their one Good start. place. Yeah, exactly. It's something to build off of. They're one place clear of the relegation zone. So now they go into this really the second half of the season. Uh, not being as concerned, I want to say. I'd say it's a lot easier mentality-wise, going, okay, we're out of there already, now we just got to build result-wise. It's not like a do-or-die attitude. Uh, so Sampdoria, if you look at them, they have the reverse problem of the first two teams. They're really not bagging the goals as frequently as they, as they would. They have Gabbiadini, they have Gaston Ramirez, who's more of a center forward. Uh, actually, both of them prefer to play ball to feet rather than in behind. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that's something that I would be really concerned about if I was, uh, if I was them. So my solution for them is, uh, Musa Diaby. Uh, so he plays in Bundesliga, uh, excellent forward. Um, but also has, uh, also has a little bit of knowledge for such a young player, Mm -hmm. uh, about him. So, uh, you know, with that knowledge, I think he would fit in quite well with the Santoria team. If he went and uh, bagged a couple goals for them, I don't think his club would loan him out right now. He's pretty much in the starting 11 for them okay. uh, pretty consistently. But if they can somehow pry him away from uh, from that, I think
1: he would be a great shout. Cool. So that's where we're getting uh, Sampdoria for the, for the holidays. Yeah, we're only giving them one present. It's only a budget thing. Present. Yeah, it's, it's a budget a bunch thing. Bunch <laughs> so and that will lead us into the last team of our little uh, underperforming teams in Syria, and that's going to be Napoli. So a lot of, obviously, people had Napoli being pegged as a potential Scudetto t- uh, title contenders for this year, uh, especially kind of piggybacking off of last year. But that hasn't really happened, obviously, with the whole Ritoro situation. Ancelotti obviously left the team as the mm-hmm. coach, and there's a new coach in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but my thing is, so if you look at that roster, I think they have a lot of areas where the players, I think they're set at. So they, I think they have that defensive center back pairing in Manolas and Koulibaly. Yep. They have uh, Di Lorenzo uh, and Malquit as right backs and mm. left backs, even though Malquit's currently injured. Moret in goal is a, is a good shout. Yep. You have Zielinski Allen in midfield, but that front line if you look at it is a little bit a little bit long in the tooth. They're a little bit older. Yeah. You have Mertens and Kalajohn who are going to be having uh, contracts expiring in a couple in about 6 months. They're in their early 30s, I don't think, and I don't see them being re-signed for the club. Uh, Milik's really the only like super like younger ish kind of forward that they have at the club right now. Yeah, and he's on his like second ACL, uh, second two, <laughs> two ACLs, back to back years. Though he is performing. He he's doing goals. it. He's doing it. I got love for that. So he's in his mid twenties, he's 25. Uh, Insigne is also a little bit older. I think Levy's 29 right now. Um, Lozano was brought in, but I still don't think that they have a younger forward or a, or a forward line that can kind of move into the future with the club. So what I am going to gift to Napoli is some new forwards, some new younger forwards Ooh. for the future. Top of the fun. line. Top of the line forwards. So, mm-hmm. so a couple of names that kind of just sprung to mind is one is maybe a move, and I don't know how, how some fans would react to this, but maybe Patrick Cutrone coming back from his move from Wolves and the EPL coming back to Italy and helping out in Napoli would be something I could potentially see because hmm. he's not liking his time in the EPL so far yet. Uh, same yeah. thing with Moise Keane. I was going to say, the Italians uh, are not feeling it. Are not feeling in Italy right now. Obviously, that might change with now Ancelotti with Everton and Keane, so that's a different situation. But Coutrone yeah. hasn't gotten really the minutes or the or the production that we've kind of expected from him. So maybe I'll move back to Italy to kind of lead that future line with Milik for uh, Napoli. Another name that I kind of just thought of, just was not getting the exact time and minutes that I was expecting. Was Luka Jovic at Real Madrid? Okay, a big move that obviously hasn't been gotten the minutes. He's blocked by Benzema, and I'm mm-hmm. sure he's 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 wanting to play, especially a guy who's 21 and is expecting a little bit more uh, time on the pitch than he is. Yeah, uh, we all know his quality. He was he was tearing up the Bundesliga last yeah, what year. What a what a force! So, um, those are some kind of moves that I would kind of think about for the future of the club guys that are young in their early 20s that have a lot of potential. And you can build off that front line, off, of, especially if you do like a two-striker partner, uh, two partnership with Milik yeah. and, for example, Jovich up top. You surround him with that quality midfield that's creative with Jalinski and Allen, who's your box-to-box, and sure. some guys that can whip in the cross on the, on the wings like Insignia, for example. And I think you have the potential to build a brand new and a really deadly attack moving forward. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's a great shout. I think uh, we got into it a little bit before we started recording that, you know, you uh, Marcion was talking about, oh, well, you know, between the Ritero and, like, how all the players were being treated. And I really made a point that if you're looking at it media-wise, the people that were quoted as the spearheads were pretty much anybody, uh, or the spearheads of the uh, opposition to the Ritero and the, like, in the mutiny, were pretty much anybody over the age of 26 were considered it. Yep. Um, I think this has been uh, a Di Laurentiis attempt at clearing house gone horribly wrong. I don't foresee any future players being uh, being treated at uh, being treated at the capacity that these players were. I think he saw an opportunity to get rid of some older guys, and I think we are going to see a move for some forwards. Now, I don't think we're going to see a lot of moves for center forwards. I think we're going to be seeing, seeing some moves for wingers, or maybe sure. wingers that uh, can play striker, vice versa, uh, because I think with Milic, he's I think he sees him as a uh, you know sees him as a long-term option. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I could see a couple young, uh, it's always like the Baltic players that end up getting pretty decent shouts. uh, In Syria. Yeah, in Syria. uh, You know, so I could see some players in that. uh, Jovic, great example. Uh, He would have to be alone, though. There's no way that Napoli can afford especially with the possibility of missing out on champions league next yeah, year Yeah, the transfer would be enormous, cause enormous. Real we just
1: paid what 45 50 mil for
0: them just uh, six have, months ago yeah something like that might have been even, even a little higher might yeah. have been around 60 um but yeah i i think they're in the process of doing a brief rebuild on their forward line but i would be curious to see uh not what gifts are under their tree this year i'd be curious to see you know if they get rid of
1: some people in january this year well, it's, it is the season, so you have January coming up tomorrow. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see over the next four it's, weeks. It's not a long wait. <laughs> no, it's not a long wait. So now that we've kind of talked about underperforming teams, let's kind of like switch the table around a little bit, and let's talk about a little bit uh, overperforming players, so specific players, mm-hmm. in four leagues in in, in world football. So mm-hmm. we're going to start with Serie A. I'll do okay. a couple Syria Serie A players, and we'll move into the Bundesliga. Do you want the trumpets again? No, I don't want the trumpets. Okay, all right. we'll save the Just, trumpets for later. Okay, I mean whatever. I'm, I got the trump. I got the trumpets on deck. Whenever so you want the trumpets, trumpets will be later. All right, cool. So we'll do Syria. We'll do Bundesliga. We'll do, and then Tim will take care of La Liga and EPL in terms of giving us some names and some uh, some feedback about some players that have overperformed in the first half of this season. Mm. So in terms of Syria, I have three names that kind of come to mind. Uh, two are a little bit older players that have kind of kind of come in, and one's a, a young product kind of prodigy player that we've kind of. Uh, seen a lot of rumors and a lot of reports about. Mm-hmm. So it is, João Pedro is my first one from Calgary. Mm-hmm. So if you look at João Pedro's career, especially at Calgary, this is his third season. He's okay. already on 11 goals in 16 appearances in Serie A so far this year. So the guy hasn't scored more than seven in, in, in a season at all. Okay. So he's going from scoring five goals to seven goals per season to now in already end of December, early January, whenever you're listening to the podcast. Right. He's already on 11 goals, so he's already hit double digits. First time in his career, he's huge. Hit, he's hit double digits, yeah. and you see the results of that. Calgary are up in the table, really mm-hmm. high up. And obviously, it's it's a team game, but he's popping in those goals left and right. Mm. So that is my first shout for overperforming players in the first half of the season, especially a guy who's uh, who's been in, in playing football for a few years now. Uh, like I said, third year at Calgary. so the expect- expectations weren't that he's going to be that top goal scorer. Because he's currently in the top five in goals in the league mm-hmm. right now. So you weren't expecting those numbers from him. Uh, and you weren't expecting Calgary to be so high up the table. So yeah. the two kind of correlate and they piggyback off each other. So João Pedro is my first shout. Hmm. So my second shout would be Luis Muriel from Atalanta. Good shout. So big big thing with Muriel was, was he was brought in as a depth signing originally for Atalanta. Obviously they have big man Duvan. Who actually started off really well in the season? He's uh, had six goals in his first seven games. So you looked at that start of the season, and you're like, "Hey, Zapata's just going to run away with it, like he always, like he's has for the last few years." <laughs> Big Zapata fan. Big man's abs, yeah. That's I, just, I, <laughs> I do like him, boy. Uh, but Muriel came in. Obviously, Zapata got injured. He's he's still out, so mm-hmm. they need a new striker. Muriel kind of stepped in and really filled that role well. So in 15 games, he's got 10 goals. Also, top five in, in goal scoring in, in the Syria. Right. and another guy that wasn't really expected to give that kind of production he was supposed to be coming off the bench being a spot starter and kind of Fair. getting some minutes here and there um but he had to take zap's shoes and kind of fill them and he's done it really big well. shoes big <laughs> shoes to fill very big shoes i'm curious to wonder what size boot that guy wears because it, it's got to be messed
0: it's got to be something small it's, gotta it's be got, small. It's got like, like a seven and a half he's a huge dude and and he just wears, wears a seven seven, and, like yeah, yeah like feet. size eight men's like yeah
1: <laughs> And my last shout is going to be my little kind of like youngster that was seen on the rise. So Kuleshevsky from Parma. He's yeah. on loan also from Atalanta. So Atalanta have some, some solid players for the future. Yeah. But the guy's got four goals, seven assists. He's second in the league in assists behind Luis Alberto from Lazio. So, and you've definitely seen him kind of push up that Parma side. Like, he is a creative force. He can yeah. pop in goals. He's... He, can lay out audition and insist on a dime mm. so he's that kind of like future playmaker midfielder type role uh in this area and i think a lot a lot of people are expecting a 19 year old to be doing this well so early in the season um right. so those are my three shouts for the syria in terms of overperforming players for the first half of the season mm. now obviously we're going to keep an eye on these guys and see how they do in the second half of the season right because that is the whole point overperforming. we want to see where they finish yeah um so that's going to be an awesome thing that we're going to do probably yeah. later on in the year on the subject that on the subject
0: of on the subject of, Java, on the subject of him, is uh it's always crazy when you see a guy who's in his mid to late twenties catching a crazy vein of form. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're really thinking, you you're going, is this guy always been this good? Or is it because he's got good teammates around him now? You know, has has he always had this potential and other clubs haven't been looking at him? Or has he just not had the privilege of being part of a good side? You know, so um, you know, you look at Adam Lolana. Is a good example over at Liverpool because he stuck out pretty well at Southampton. He had a pretty good season uh, before he was signed uh, for Liverpool. He was he was getting his in- international caps at England, um, you know. But uh, that said, you know, I'm curious to see if some of this Calgary side, you know, some of it's on loan, but you know, some of their players that have been there for some years now, I'm curious to see if they'll move on. And he's one that I, I think we should keep an eye on in particular. Bob. Yeah,
1: because this is his, I believe. Um, he's been in, in Syria for five years now, and then he had a year in Syria B. So he's yeah. known the league for a really long time now. Right. Um, so he's 27, like you mentioned, in his mid to late 20s, whatever you mm. want to call it. Uh, but he's like, like to your point, I think it is a lot to do with now he's got quality teammates that can set him up with those chances that he can finally knock him in. Yeah. So I think that is a lot what uh, what has to do with uh, Pedro's kind of rise this season in terms of him jumping up the scoring charts. Right. Um, something that we haven't seen before. So the next league that I'm gonna move over to before we take care of La Liga and EPL with you is I'm gonna talk about the Bundesliga. Mm. So there's two. <laughs> I wonder.
0: Yeah. Anyway. No, going. it's
1: not. I'm not talking about Lewandowski. Okay. Tonight. All right. Until maybe until later. All right. until later. Maybe. But I'm not talking about Lewandowski right now because he's not overperforming. We expect him to score goals. It, but you expect him to score this many goals? It's crazy. He's All right. is a unit. But he's still leading the league in goals. That's I, I kind of expected that. I'm, I'm not going to say he's yeah. overperforming because he's tops in in the Bundesliga. Right. Yes, he hasn't. He has. He he was the top goal scorer of, over the calendar year of 2019. 54 <laughs> goals. I'm going to mention it, guys. God. So guys, So the guy had a great year, but yeah. it's it's nothing that we've ex- not expected. He's had 40 plus goal campaigns for eight years running. So this isn't out of the norm for him. It's not a one-off year. Right. Um, he's had that consistency. So Lewandowski is not on my overperforming <laughs> list for the Bundesliga. All I'm going right. to talk about two guys that probably nobody's ever heard of. So one of them is Ruin Hennings. So yes, nobody has heard of this man, Ruin Hennings. So he plays for Fortuna Dusseldorf in the Bundesliga. Nobody's ever heard of him. Nobody's probably heard of Fortuna Dusseldorf either. Stop. <laughs> Stop. So, <laughs> so ridiculous. Ridic- Nobody's ever heard of them before this podcast. Martin's introducing before. him to the world. I'm introducing the world. <laughs> so, so just to give you a little bit of little uh, feedback on ruin Hennings, he's in his uh, early 30s. He's th- age 32. He's been more of a Bundesliga two, Bundesliga three guy. He spent most of his career in the second tier of the, of the league. This mm-hmm. is his uh, second year in, okay. in this in the in the top flight in the Bundesliga. Last year was his first year with uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf to finish 10th. He scored seven goals, four assists uh, on the campaign. This year, halfway mark in the season, he's already got 11 goals. So, uh, obviously, he's only had two years of top-flight football, of top-tier top-flight mm-hmm. football, right. and he's bagging in double-digit goals for Fortuna Dusseldorf. So, they're still in the bottom half of the table. They're 16th, but I think he's a big reason why they're not in the depths of the relegation zone. I think he's really trying to keep them afloat with uh, however many little chances that he gets to okay. score goals. So obviously kind of what we talked about before the quality of teammates yeah. at Fortuna Düsseldorf you're not getting you're <laughs> not getting that many you're not goals getting, getting this, you're not getting those same production from your midfield and from the rest of your defense to set you up with those chances as you are as like a Bayern Munich or like a Borussia Dortmund is. Very so true. to have double digit goals and be in the top 5 in the Bundesliga in scorers at the halfway point playing for a smaller team that like uh, like Düsseldorf is and especially at his age he's 32 now Right. I think it's just a remarkable thing to see, especially from a guy that spent the, so many years, I, his entire career, especially, essentially 10 years, in the second and third leagues of, of German football. So right. for him to have some success in the top flight, I think, is a really good story. And uh, I'm curious to see where uh, Dusseldorf kind of finish out the year. Because uh, the guy has worked with them. He's He did two years in the second tier with Dusseldorf, and now he's, he's kind of seeing his... Uh, his uh, commitment to the club pay off and him performing in the top flight. Which you love to see. Exactly. you love to see a guy that's loyal getting paid off. Exactly. So, Ruin Hennings is my first shout. And then my second shout, definitely another guy that nobody's probably ever heard of. And his name is Florian <laughs> Niederlechner. Niederlechner.
0: Niederlechner.
1: Niederlechner. Do you need... I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I, don't need, I don't get it. You, All right. No, keep going. You don't I have any jokes. It. I don't have any jokes. I'm not So, this, <laughs> guy, this guy, same kind of concept. He's in his late 20s. He's 28. Okay. He's got, But the production that you're getting out of him is, is, in my opinion, great for in the Bundesliga. Okay. So he plays for Augsburg this year. Uh, he's played the past three years for Freiburg in the Bundesliga, and he's had some decent success. Uh, his best season was his 25, age 25 season. He scored 11 goals, three assists. Uh, and before that, he spent a lot, like, kind of like the last guy, he spent a lot of time in the second and third divisions of uh, German football. So this is his fourth year in the top flight. So and I think this is his overall best campaign so far. So at the halfway point, he's already got eight goals and six assists. Pretty solid. So that's fourteen goal contributions in sixteen matches in top flight football. Um, Like I said, I I don't know whether it's quality of teammates jumping up from Freiburg to Augsburg, but he's having a great year. He's putting it all together, and you're seeing a kind of like the payment off of him spending a few years at the club. Right. Um, So now eight goals, six assists is great production overall. Like I said, that's that's point eight. goals or assists per 90 minutes which is a great statistic to have great players have anything above 0. 0.7 is, is great if you're, if you're getting out of them mm-hmm. so i think you're getting a really good production out of a guy and especially out of a team that you're not really expecting to get that production out of for so sure. that's another name that i'm going to keep a watch on for the second half of the season is Florian niederlechner 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 gets on tight because so <laughs> we're, we have two more leagues to cover and that's going to be, we're going to kick off with La Liga. So, who do you have as your overperforming players in La Liga? Okay, so first and foremost,
0: it's not often that you get to say that somebody is exceeding expectation at a club whose uh, expectation is to win everything. Uh, however, uh, Federico Valverde uh, is doing an excellent job in that Real Madrid uh, midfield. He's uh, providing a lot more energy than they're used to accustomed to having. So if you looked at their midfield beforehand, you looked at uh, typically the three of uh, Casimiro, uh, Tony Cruz, and uh, you're looking at uh, Luka Mordek as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're looking at these players and you're like, all right, these are good players. They're they're, uh, going to do the bits, but they're not going to run through walls for you. And there's nothing I love more than a Uruguayan midfielder that runs through walls. Insert uh, pretty much any Uruguayan midfielder. Just what, however, they train them over there is insane.
1: These guys just run through everything. I think a big thing that you have to look at with Valverde's success is he has nothing to lose. You have all these guys like Modric and Casimir who are our massive pay uh, yeah. paychecks. They uh, they're they're playing for paychecks at that point. They want to win trophies. Yeah. Valverde hasn't got that yet. He doesn't have that massive contract. He's not getting paid tens of millions of euro a year to play. He's trying to show himself like, hey, I'm here. I'm going to make my, my name. I don't care how much you're getting paid. I'm going to take your sparring spot. Yeah, and that and that's the crazy part. And, you know, the, the other crazy thing and
0: part that I feel like sometimes, you know, when you're analyzing a player or, you know, you're looking at somebody's contributions in general to their team... You might overvalue goals and assists, right? Like you might over you might overanalyze and say, okay, the guy has two goals, two two assists in the midfield. As you say that, after I just went on a rant about players scoring goals <laughs> for the last ten minutes. But well, whatever. you love your forwards, but it's I fine. Do. Uh, so, but I'm looking at this guy in the way that his influence on the midfield. Real Madrid uh, might have lost. I think if I'm looking at the numbers right here. Real Madrid, I believe, have lost one game all season while he was playing in the midfield. And in that game, he only played 24 minutes. Okay, so he came off the bench. So, so it's not even his fault. That's my point. Is you, know, you are Somebody really else messed their four. Yeah, that's not his problem. Uh, Federico, buddy, you're good. Uh, so, you know, that, that to me speaks volumes of, like, the influence that he would have in a game, is that if you're making all these appearances and you're, uh, you know, you're you're putting in, uh, you're putting in that work in the midfield. You're covering the, uh, covering the ground. Uh, it speaks volumes to me that he really has been the reason that so much of Real Madrid's season has gone correct when they've had so many question mark coming into the season. So, uh, so he's my first shot. Cool. What's so your second guy? My second guy is uh, none other than the forgotten prodigal son Ooh, of Real I Madrid. Know what it is. Uh, so, uh, Martin uh, Udegaard yep. is uh, having a great season at uh, Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad has this tendency to grab players that, uh, you know, may not be the biggest, strongest, fastest. And, but they're talented and just kind of nurturing that talent. So, uh, you know, he already on this season uh, has four goals, five assists. Uh, three yellow cards as well. <laughs> so, so he likes to get stuck in a tackle. He's he's doing he's doing bits over there. I, I love this guy. I think he's a talented player. Uh, you know, typically an attacking midfielder gets deployed on the wing sometimes. Um, but the consistency with this guy is that, uh, you know, I don't have his chances created put up here, but he is that player that you know if you reward him by pushing him closer to goal at some capacity he's
1: going to reward you back with opportunities created key passes etc you get where i'm going with that yeah key thing with him is people like have kind of written him off but he's 21 he's not young he's He's not like he's not like in his like mid-20s or like late 20s and he's been like a forgotten prospect he's he's literally 21 years old so he has a long career i think ahead of him and i think this is exactly the kind of move that he needed was to play at a club where that's going to kind of build to play to his talents and his abilities yeah and i think that's that's this is just the springboard that he needs to kind of be like hey i have my confidence back i I, I know I can do this at the top level, right? So, and I and you know, uh, his market value
0: is insane now. You know, his market value is it's the highest it's ever been, which is incredible, uh, given you know he's trying to fulfill some of that talent now. But you know, several years ago, uh, if you were watching football, uh, Heliovic and uh, you know Udegaard were two of the big names of like you know these guys are going to be the next big thing in football. Right. Exactly. And now you look at it. And uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe is the next big thing right now. Okay. Same same age, right? I believe. Yeah, he just turned twenty one. Just turned twenty one. uh You know, and so did Udegaard. And you look at these guys, and they're, they're same age range, but their career trajectories have gone in massively different directions. Right. So- and
1: Mbappe is the the next ten year Ballon d'Or winner. So yeah. So and Udegaard was kind of like a forgotten prospect, but now he's like like to your point, he's kind of seeing some of that talent pay off playing for a smaller side and not having as much pressure as he did before. Yeah. So that's so. those are my two uh, La Liga picks. So oh. I'm going to go to the
0: EPL. Let's end it on the EPL here. Uh, so I love going to the EPL, uh, but one of the EPL... Every time I hear EPL, I think of... Uh, of uh, What is it? The Tim Tangent for 10 minutes. Yeah, Tim Tangent for 10 minutes. No, uh, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney... They do uh, caught offside. They okay. do for ESPN. Yeah, and uh, I think it was Andrew Gunley that did this like funny jingle. <laughs> it was like EPL back from more. It was like the cheesiest thing, but I thought it was so funny. And every time I hear EPL, I just think of that jingle that he did, which is like amazing. Uh, so you know that. Uh, that being said, the two picks when it comes to the EPL have to be Mason Mount. Okay, uh, being one of them because Mason Mount. Although he had a great season at Derby, uh, you know, nobody could have foreseen this 20-year-old just ripping it up. He's got five goals, three assists uh, for the Premier League this season, uh, 20 games in, and you know, what more can he ask for out of a 20-year-old attacking midfielder? He consistently makes the right decisions when he's on the ball, when he's off the ball, he's hustling, he's very clearly dedicated to his club, and in being dedicated to his club, uh, you know, he's just seen a return he's just seen a massive return on everything that he's putting in and I I'm so happy for him uh you know so that's so he's my he's my shout he's my first shout uh, because he really wasn't expected to do a lot the only thing that I would say is they need to keep him uh they need to keep him as far up the pitch as
1: possible yeah, the he only game can definitely create some passes up 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 top
0: right and he can create the passes he can do everything he needs to the only games that Chelsea really suffered while he was playing uh, were games that he was asked to sit further back. He hasn't defend, He hasn't developed that aspect of his game yet. He needs to develop that before he can get really stuck and become a proper full center mid midfielder going up and down the pitch. So I think for right now he's doing exceptionally well, and I think he's got a bright career in front of him. You know, if he stays healthy, he's looking at easily another ten to fifteen years of a career. Yep. Uh, especially with the sports science that's going on now.
1: So who's your second pick in the okay. EPL?
0: So my second pick of the EPL uh, is not for a top four team. And it's not for a team that's doing exceptionally well. Uh, but I think he's making a name for himself. Todd Cantwell. Todd Cantwell is doing absolute work in this Norwich uh, midfield. Uh, he's got a couple goals. He's got five goals himself to assist. Uh, You know, he's being overshadowed by the evergreen, uh, you know, Timu Puki. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, (laughs) he's uh, he's a great player. Uh, He himself, uh, a year older than Mount. But he kind of, between him and Mount, I think it epitomizes the emphasis that England have put on their young players. Right? You look at this golden generation that's coming up. We're talking about it currently with France. I would argue with you that England... Uh, is consistently producing excellent midfielders, forwards, some decent defenders. Uh, I went with Cantwell, but I could have just as easily gone with Tyrone Mings. Uh, He's exceptional as well. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised that looking at at these players, Uh, if you see England being a real powerhouse genuinely, not just in the England mindset where they go, we're England, we're going to be amazing. In the England mindset of like, we're producing talent right now and we're going to be a powerhouse
1: for years to come. So I think there's going to be a national shift in paradigm because... The, and these are the kind of players you want in your te- in your national team. if yeah, you, want to be. You, easily, need, you need yeah. those gritty midfielders that are just going to be box to box, just kind of yeah. get stuck in tackles and kind of do that dirty work. Every yeah. every side needs one of those kind of players.
0: Yeah, so he's excellent. uh You know, have Norwich been doing the best? Not really, but I don't think that's mostly to do with him. I think that's to do with, you know, just the, the size of the club he's at. I would love to see him in a couple years' time move to a huge club and, and make a
1: splash. Cool. Okay. Well, that is going to do it for our overperforming, underperforming section. Now, since, like I mentioned before, this is our holiday special, we have a couple fun, more uh, interesting segments that we're going to do this year. So, the first thing that I kind of want to lead off in terms of our fun segments is I want to do a top five best players in the world right now list. Ooh. So, I'm going to clarify this is not in any kind of order. I don't want us to rank one through five. Right, right, right. Just right. randomly, your top five best players in world football right now okie doke. so i'm gonna let you kick things off for our our list this time
0: advantage tim advantage tim advantage tim here Mm -hmm. we go my top five in no particular order but oh my goodness what talent uh sadio mane okay lino messi good shout virgil van dyke okay killian mbappe okay brahim sterling ooh I like the Sterling shout. The Sterling shout, he is so underrated. I I understand he's getting plaudits from, you know, English pundits and everything, but really, you know, if you look at his age and what he's doing in the game, I would I would try to challenge you to find somebody who's producing better results at a bigger club at his age range and his position. You can't. It's the dude's the dude's untouchable right now. He's insane.
1: Wow. So Raheem Sterling is top five. So we we obviously have some very big guys that are missing off that list. Yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll go. I'll go. I'll do my top five, and then we'll kind of compare. Yeah. Let's lists do and, let's and, do that. So what do you got? Do you so got? my top five in no particular order, because I have to clarify this, because we're mm-hmm. gonna get slaughtered regardless right. of what we say. Right. So Mbappe right. is obviously we agree on there overlap there. Messi I'm overlap. Haley. There you and go. And here's where well, the rest of my list is not <laughs> agreeing. So I'm putting De Bruyne on okay. top in my top five. Mm-hmm. I'm putting Lewandowski in my okay. top five, which is kind of, you kind of foresaw that. Yeah. And then I'm putting Neymar. How
0: could you five. put Neymar in your top five? Top five. It's impossible. He's not a top five player. Top five player. He is not a top five player. Top five To player. be a top five player, you got to be pulling up in crucial moments. You got to be consistently performing for your team. Every big game, every middle of the, I know you just rolled your eyes, but this dude is missing for like half the season. How are okay. you going to okay. name him a okay. top five player?
1: Okay. Because I'm naming my players on, on performance, right? So when Neymar performs, tell me how many players have better statistics. Okay, but you can't just do it
0: on when. You got to do it on on a spread of a year, chronologically. All these players are exceptional.
1: I'm not saying who's the best over the last year. That's not what my list is. My list is best five players that I want. In world football. Okay. So Mbappe, Messi, Lewandowski,
0: you would take De Bruyne, You would take Neymar. Neymar over Raheem Sterling. Yes. You're nuts. You're crazy. I'm sorry. 100%. We have to cancel this podcast. This is, oh, 100%. You're insane. You would no. take Neymar over Sadio Mane. Yes. <laughs> what? I can't. I, that's like... Yes. That's not even... I didn't even... Like, that's not even a real life. Like, it's just disbelief that I just... I can't believe that. I mean, you know what's the biggest... Uh, biggest
1: notable uh mention on this is it's the fact that we don't we neither one of us have ronaldo neither <laughs> one of us have ronaldo in <laughs> this list isn't so, that crazy? so yeah like like un- like obviously I gave you a top 5 but right. players that you mentioned like ronaldo like van dyke they're j- right outside of that top 5 they're right not though virgil van dyke is
0: easily the deciding factor between liverpool being a title challenging and title winning team versus a team that okay, but mediocre. but your
1: your point. You said gr- gr- best players in the world of football, right? You, right. Give, you you're giving me Van Dyke over 18 months is is supposed to be the best defender in the world. Virgil Van Dyke, 18 is... months of, of, of premium like top level football. All the players that I've I've mentioned have done it for years consistently. Like Van Dyke's done so it. So has Ronaldo, less than, huh? Ronaldo's done it for years. Yeah, consistently. but Ronaldo's 35. Almost. Okay, but so that's there's not... a difference between a 35 <laughs> year old Ronaldo. How old is Levy? 31.
0: Okay, so next year he's not going to be on your list. I don't know. You're smirking because he's going to be on your list next year. I don't year. know. If he,
1: if he puts up 54 goals and is the top goal scorer of the year, then yes, he's going to be on my list. But, but we're Neymar
0: hasn't put those kind. Of, I don't think he's that level anymore. It like I just don't see it. He make does he make a difference? Yeah, like when he comes on, absolutely. What you did some research?
1: What was his goal and assist and all his statistics put together? I love statistics. I love saber matrix. If you want to talk Moneyball with me, I'll give you a super 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 duper numbers all day long so in terms of neymar's numbers if you look at his contributions goals and assists per 90 minutes right, right. so career wise it is 0.93 right so 0.93 he almost he produces a goal or an assist almost every 90 minutes of match football mm. now i dare anybody to find the statistics of players that do that better than him Okay. Because that's, that's my whole thing with Neymar. People just look at his stats and be like, oh, he scored 20 goals a couple of times and that, that's it. Yeah, but, I'm like a farmer's league. But he does it. He also does multiple assists. He, he contributes 30 to 40, uh, 30 to 40 goals and assists in a calendar year. Which not How many players do that? Who does that? Uh, See, you're speechless because you don't, speechless don't know anybody. I'm because of how are
0: you, like, that's, that's where your evaluation stops. What about the intangibles? What about what this guy brings... Like off the pitch. He brings nothing but problems off the pitch. He's okay, like, so, Oh, I want to be a difference maker here. Oh, I wanna do this. Raheem Sterling was like brutally handled in the media. Of course, I agree with you. And but but, but I'm not point, arguing that Sterling okay. isn't a bad player because I okay. rate him really highly. Okay, but then how you can rate we did him. really it, highly. if we did a top
1: ten, this would be completely different this
0: conversation. Would be, this would <laughs> I don't I'm not sure. I'm not sure considering what I don't I could I couldn't agree less with you. I do not believe Neymar is a top five player
1: consistently anymore. I think see this is how I look at it. If mm-hmm. if Neymar is on the pitch mm-hmm. and healthy, healthy. This, right. this, this this is the I'm putting the little asterisk into okay. this little conversation. Okay. If Neymar is healthy and playing, right. he is a top five player. So yes, you can say the last two years, but he hasn't been though. That's what do you the mean, point. He hasn't? You can't put that
0: asterisk there because that's like me saying like. But he is Brian playing Raheem right Sterling now. Raheem Sterling on is, his best day. But he is playing right now. And you can't do that. But though. he is playing right and he's balling out. He's he's. he's Oh my god, stop. He's playing in a... They're all playing in absurdly loaded teams. Let me... You know, I'll be fair on that. Right.
1: All the, all these top five players, they have the best people... They're playing give, with the best squads. Right. Mm-hmm. The best contribution from your teammates is there. Yeah. So they're 100%. gonna put up... The, so these players are gonna put up massive numbers. Okay,
0: but my point is that, like, if I am looking at a game and I have my starting 11 and Sadio Mane is missing from my starting 11 or Raheem Sterling is missing from my starting 11 I am definitely more upset than Neymar missing from my starting right, 11 right
1: because in at PSG you have Di Maria who can fill in you have also Mbappe who's... no but you're not like
0: th- that's diff. No, I'm not saying I'm saying from a perspective of if these guys were all on the same team right I'm saying that on build-up play, on, you know, on merit alone. You're talking about build-up play and you're not including Neymar? Neymar's yeah. got more uh, assists than Mane does. Okay, yeah, he has more assists than Mane he, he, he builds, builds up the play better. better.
1: I don't, I genuinely think that's... You can that's argue sad. that the EPL is a farmer's league. The, the, the team that's winning is up by 13 points over the second team. The second that's team
0: that's up that's winning is because, hap, like, I could have put Trent Alexander-Arnold into that list and it would have been arguable that he would have been in there. I, I could have put so. Roberto Firmino into that top five list and would have been argued. Mosala top
1: five I list would have been arguable. So. Maybe Mo Salah I'll give you. I don't think Trent is a top five player in the world. Name a better right back in the world right now. i, I argue Joshua Kimmich. You can't argue Joshua Kimmich. I would.
0: I would never take Joshua Kimmich over Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm
1: not saying I would. I would Look take at your them. stats. I would, <laughs> <I> would, <laughs> I'm would. <laughs> i not saying I would take Kimmich over Arnold, but I'm saying you could make an argument for Kimmich over Arnold. Okay, Ar- and I'm saying you
0: could make an argument that Trent Alexander-Arnold is in no, uh, I, is a top five player. <laughs> This is completely flown off the rails. Why don't we get even more heated? Okay. Uh, why don't we move on to one of our last talking points here?
1: Okay. Because you've got me very
0: boiled. We're both very red in the face right now. I don't yeah. know if it's the sniffling or if it's... Or
1: if it's just the heated debate that we got into. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Wait, so who, who else was in your top five? We agreed on Mbappe and Messi. You had Sterling. You had Van Dijk. Who was your fifth? I had Sterling, Van Dyke, Mbappe. I had Messi and Mane. Mane.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sadio Mane is the most underrated player in the I world I right agree. Agreed. Now. He's a really good footballer. Dude's,
1: dude's insane. Dude's makes I, a I, difference. I think time. we should do a top 10 in a few months because yeah. then we can include some of these names that we, ha- we have omitted and then people will be like, all right, at least they're in the top 10. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't see it going any better than what just happened right okay. now. So who do you think is a comparable player to somebody like Neymar? Hmm. Are we adding asterisks? <laughs> no, Asterisk. just just give me a comp. Uh, let's 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 have a, a, a player comparison then at this point. Okay. So who do you think is <laughs> is a comparable player? To if Neymar? we're going, if you want to go your whole like career span thing right cold, now, whole career span, whole
0: career span thing cold right now. Span. I think uh, the Everybody. dilemma that Barcelona were in
1: is reason enough to consider it a dilemma. Is Neymar okay, versus so Griezmann. Griezmann? Okay. Neymar versus Griezmann. All right. So let's do this. Let's. I'm Neymar. Okay. And you're Griezmann. Okay. So. Any I'm cl- immediately more handsome and have better hairstyles. But I would argue the hairstyles. All right. Uh. I would argue, okay, except for this whole Neymar beard thing, I'm not a fan of that. Okay. All right. But and then Griezmann's got this whole mop top thing going on. And I'm also not a fan of that. If we talk about <laughs> talk about hairstyles, we could also talk about Ronaldo's wasabi samurai. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, I'm not a fan. It's absurd. I'm not all a right, fan. Right, but whatever. Anyway. Back back to the back top of to I'm the not, important yeah, part. Back yeah. to the top important <laughs> thing. So Neymar versus Griezmann. So if you're a club, let's let's do this. Let's do it this way. Player comparison. Let's have a little debate. If you're any, let's say, inject any top-tier club, Manchester United, Real Madrid, Juventus, whoever okay. you want to put into the conversation. Okay. If you have the choice of getting Neymar right now or mm. Griezmann right now, okay. why would you pick Griezmann? Okay. Since you're Team Griezmann right now. I'm Team
0: Griezmann right now. The reason you would pick Griezmann uh, is simply for the fact that i uh, if it wasn't for... Messi being the main man in the squad that he's in right now, I think Griezmann would be having a spectacular season right now with Barcelona. That's not me taking any kind of a dig at Messi. That's just statistically, if you look at it, right, he's when the, he's, he's given he's, the reins. Yeah, when he's given the reins and he's the main man, he produces. All right. When Neymar is given the reins and he's the main man, he gets scared and he gets injured, and all of a sudden he's out for the big games. I've never seen Antoine Griezmann shy away from taking responsibilities in crucial moments and more often than not nailing it, okay? Given his penalty record isn't the most amazing thing in the world, but he's not taking penalties versus, you know, St. Etienne and Ligue 1. Like, he's taking penalties in huge game scenarios. He's a big game player. That is the difference between Griezmann and Neymar. Neymar is hurt too often, And is too inconsistent as a player. Griezmann, you know what you're getting when you sign him. He is definitely, ideally, a better player than Neymar. Okay.
1: Okay. So, I would argue... So, Neymar and Griezmann play in in similar roles. We could say they're like those central forward, kind of like creative, kind of attacking roles, right? Right. So, here's... You know me, I like stats. So, Griezmann has never had a season where he's had double-digit assists in, in, in any season. Okay. So you argue that he's a creative player and plays
0: that... as a striker for more often than not, but go ahead. Okay.
1: So but Neymar plays on on the wing, which is it's totally different. But well, all well, right. let <laughs> me finish my points. But so you're arguing that Neymar is because a winger is supposed to create more, right? Which okay. shows in the stats. He has more assists, he has okay. more seasons with double digits. assists, fine. But he also outscores Griezmann. Okay. So as a winger, you're also ex- expected to be more of an assist giver than a goal scorer. Mm. But Neymar playing on the wing has not only out assisted but also outscored mm. Griezmann. Okay. so both the, the, the role that you're thinking is like oh you could talk about intangibles yes Neymar gets hurt so yes he's had those metastasal issues over the last few years that have kind of taken out mm. but you're talking about that like he doesn't want to take the reins and responsibility in key games because he's injured but that's not his fault because if you break a bone in your body or if you're it's, in, so,
0: it's his fault if he's missing it for his how, sister's how birthday
1: alright stop on that <laughs> Stop with that. My point. My point in you saying that is, is it's the, his. He's not choosing to get injured. He's not. He. The way that he plays, we all know. He plays with flair. He plays like he's playing samba football. That's that's exactly what Neymar said. And it is more risky for him getting injured, which is I 100 okay. agree with you on that. Yeah. So there's there's no debate about it. But when he's on the pitch, when he's healthy, he mm-hmm. performs. So until the last two years, he's never been really injured. If you look at his statistics from Barcelona from Santos, mm-hmm. he played 30 plus starts every single year. Mm-hmm. So this injury thing isn't like a whole career thing where he's missed starts. But it's
0: when but it's when he's taking the reins
1: though is my point. But that's only happened for the last 2 years when he's been in charge of the attack. And Griezmann's really you can argue that he hasn't when once he had he had the full reins of the squad for what 2 years there for Griezmann? For Griezmann for what 2 3 years at Atletico he was the yeah. main man. He
0: was the main man and they were making t- title runs. He was playing crucial games. Yeah, they fell short competition wise, but he was there. That's a huge difference. I genuinely believe that uh, that Griezmann is not only more consistent. You want to
1: talk about uh, title runs, but Griezmann hasn't won any really titles. Okay. So, because look at all right. So you want to talk look, about title so look, you look want, at their career. Look at like their career. Neymar four, four time like he's won the Champions League. He's won okay. four La Ligas. He's mm-hmm. he's won League One, you could say Farmers, Farmers League or whatever. This argument out of the water. He's won player of the year for everything Keep that on. you can name. Uh-huh. What, what does Griezmann won? He's won okay. one He's won one La Liga best player, best player, uh-huh. and he's been in the UEFA team of the year once. Mm. And he's won French Premier League, but everybody, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not counting that. Like, like Lewandowski okay. wins Polish Player of the Year, that doesn't mean anything. Okay, all right. So
0: here's where that assessment is Talk ridiculous. Talk about titles. Here's where here's where the assessment. I never said that he was a big title winner. I said he was there during crucial moments. It's a big difference. first
1: part of his but the Neymar side of it he wins the titles with his team right okay because look at
0: Neymar's thing he played at before he played we're not even talking about Santos we'll talk about Barcelona and PSG okay we'll look at Barcelona Barcelona was a powerhouse before he even came into that team right okay powerhouse before he came in PSG was already running that league before he even came into it right Given they were getting some competition from Monaco, but Monaco's team was soon to be ripped apart. Right after apart. they
1: had that huge great year, they were just torn to shreds. Everybody were left. Right.
0: right. So consider that career, right? So consider him going to two powerhouses back to back. Titles were guaranteed at that point. I care what anybody says. It would be. It would have been a catastrophe if they did not win that many titles. Look at Griezmann's. He was at Real Sociedad for how long? He was there for a couple seasons.
1: Five years. Right. From he was, from eighteen to twenty two. Okay. That was, that was he, his career at Sociedad. Right
0: So he's 18 to 22 He's there Right At Real Sociedad Establishing himself As a professional Right Whereas On those year, For most of those years You know Neymar is Is winning championships With
1: Well Neymar didn't move Into Barcelona Until he was 21 also So the same time frame So he went from Santos Which is Best okay. team in Brazil Or in Brazil Right But he, he's already Playing in La Liga So you're okay. comparing A guy who's already Playing top flight football To a guy right. who's playing then, In Brazil And a mid-table unknown. team at a mid-table team, okay? Real Sociedad was never going to trouble for silverware anywhere. And and Santos outside of Brazil like who, who like we yeah, don't but you we don't, don't want play who's in front of you.
0: Exactly. I understand that. Okay, but my and then my backup point to that is after he left Real Sociedad, goes to Atletico Madrid, right? Yeah, and at Atletico Madrid he was the main guy and he was making sure to put himself all over the pitch for them. But at the same time, it's not Atletico Madrid at that time was not established as an absolute powerhouse they were on a good run of form as a team okay i mean and,
1: I, i'd argue in, in in those like mid like 2014 like from mm-hmm. 2013 through like now let's mm-hmm. call it that that time frame. atletico's been in the top three every single one of these years yeah but he's had a lot to do with that that's my point but they were already in that position before he got there so he didn't really move the ball in and Atletico's favor, yeah, they got to a Champions League final with him in the squad, but they finished third and second every single year. They haven't won any titles. Right, and who was finishing ahead of them? Neymar in Barcelona, Absolute powerhouses exactly. that were already established teams. But also, to your point, Neymar was never the main man. He was, he was. That's, he, but he, that doesn't he, help your he, argument. He, that helps my argument. He played second fiddle to Messi, and he still put up these ridiculous numbers. Okay, he
0: played second fiddle to Messi, but he was part of MSN with Messi, Neymar, Suarez was like one of the craziest attacking trios football has ever seen. Agreed, and he put okay. up a
1: crazy number. But, who, but, was with, who was with Griezmann? What do you mean, who? He had Diego Costa leading the line. He had Lamar. Okay. Who else played for the Lamar,
0: team? Lamar hasn't made an impact ever since he moved from Monaco. Right. Everybody knows that. Diego Costa, I'll give you a fair, but are you going to tell me that it, prime it's Diego not the, Costa... they not the same, I, not the not the same. same category not the same. team that he moved to. Now that he's in Barcelona, he's competing for really big trophies. and He's competing for... Titles and everything, and that's where Neymar was before him. For the first time, when he's 28, and I'm telling you that had he been given that opportunity sooner, his stats would have improved by playing with higher quality players.
1: So you're saying that he shouldn't have moved from Real Sociedad to Atletico. He should have just made the jump to Real Madrid, Barcelona, or, or a top tier side at that point. I'm
0: not saying like I'm not like I'm not a professional football player. I couldn't tell him where to go, but I'm saying that undoubtedly, if you look at the talent he was playing with compared to the talent that Neymar was playing with, Neymar was guaranteed to win more trophies and look better.
1: True, guaranteed to win more trophies, but to your point, Atletico Madrid ran that offense through Griezmann. He was the main man, right? Yeah. So, regardless, your teammates are still high quality. You're playing for a top three side. You can't say that the level of, of teammates is, dr- is like drastically different. But, yes, there's a difference between Barcelona and Atletico, uh, yes, 100%. But Barcelona you, and most teams at the time that very Myanmar true. That was there. that was prime Barca. Yeah. But that's at the same time, you're still at a top three side. You can't say your teammates are former league players. That's that's they, not what the point is. Okay. So he he's he's the main man. Right. With playing still with some very high quality teammates, you have right. Saul. you have Koke, you mm-hmm. you have Godín, you have some really yeah. Black, you have some really good names then. Yeah. So he's still playing. He's the main man, and he's putting up X numbers. Right. But you have a player that's playing still with really high-quality players in his team, but he's putting up X plus 5 numbers. So he's still putting up better
0: numbers. They're completely different mentality team-wise. Barcelona is always looking to possess the ball and score, whereas Atletico Madrid was looking to hit you on the counter. All right? if they're looking to hit you on the counter, they're creating less opportunities inherently. Right, but
1: the argument is, who would you want in your side? Who's the better player? I think you would want Griezmann in your side. I don't think so. I think Neymar showed in, in his stats and how he's played throughout his entire career. You can argue. I, don't, I don't. We're gonna. All well argue I till? I don't. I don't buy. I don't then. buy this whole farmers league. You like to your point. You play with who's in front of you. Okay. So he's putting up ridiculous numbers in league one he's put up ridiculous numbers in la liga so mm. what do you want him to do go to syria and prove I himself want him in to, Serie a?
0: i want him to win i want him to not i don't actually i don't even need him to win i want him to produce at a very high level get his team to the champions league final being the spearhead for it because that's what griezmann did griezmann was at atletico he was the spearhead got them to a champions league final neymar has not gotten his team to
1: the pinnacle of football competition Leading the line himself. True, because he hasn't been there. Okay, but because he's been injured, which, like to my point, is isn't his fault. He he doesn't choose to get injured. Maybe if, if he toned it down with how he plays a little bit, but that's not his style. That's you, we know he's not. Yeah, but even down the now,
0: side. even and to even like to agitate anybody who's a Neymar fan even more so, you can make the argument that he's no longer even leading the line in his own team, Mbappe Bappe has taken that torch
1: and ran with it. Well, Griezmann went over to play second fiddle to Messi, so now he's in the same position that Neymar was in four years ago.
0: Okay, but. He's also making, I would assume, you know, how is, let me see here. And I don't, the reason I'm stuttering is because I don't like to make statements without looking at the facts first. But I do believe for a good portion of the season, uh, at the beginning, Messi was hurt. And it was on Griezmann, Suarez, uh, Coutinho, well, Coutinho wasn't no, there. Dembele, the Dembele to, to come up with the goods while he was gone. And I think they did an exceptional job of it. All right. So uh, I think this is a, this is a good uh, point to say. Uh, maybe pause. let's get the let's pause and get the opinion of some other folks uh, that you know that follow and listen through this podcast and we'll get their two cents on it sure because clearly we're not going to agree on no we're not going to
1: agree because you know also like we, we each have our own little our tastes and players and you know I love the samba flair kind of style player I love a proper was. football player I love a player that's going to do it all for his team I, I like some skill moves and, and just pop it in top bins goals that's why he named the top in stock. <laughs> But all right, uh, so we're gonna pause the debate. I'm gonna throw out uh, a voting little poll thing on my Twitter account. Okay. and We're gonna do a little who do you choose kind of thing, and I'll post that later on tonight. So then who you can kind of uh, chime in on our debate um, and see who would you prefer in your team. I, I feel like it's. I feel like just for the the general consensus of how people perceive Neymar, I feel like Griezmann's gonna win that. Oh, poll. okay. So
0: just make an excuse for him before it even starts. It's whatever. whatever. That's okay.
1: But I'm looking at it from a per- like purely technical footballing sense i'm not looking at it from outside of what you can talk about his injury issues or his whatever outside like his his distractions of him as a player i'm looking at it purely as a footballing footballing Mm -hmm. sense i still think neymar is a better footballer all right you're entitled to your opinion yeah this is a this is a debate show so we are going to do more of these later on like throughout the rest of the year um, right. There will be some heated debates. We also <laughs> we have some fun ones moving on um, right. into the future. So we're definitely gonna have some fun debates moving yeah. forward. Um, so let's end the podcast on one more topic and let's end it on more of a positive note. <laughs> since we're during the holidays, <laughs> I don't want to end it on an angry note, yelling at each other. Yeah. So let's do. We're happy family here. We're a happy family here. Yeah. Top Talk Stock is a happy family. <laughs> um, let's do a little segment for best gifts for your footballing friend girlfriend boyfriend whatever you want to call it so for whoever enjoys football what would be the best gifts that you would recommend
0: okay well for
1: whatever budget let's do like a let's do like a budgetary thing like let's right, say like right. entry-level budget mid-level high-level budget okay
0: well if it's an entry-level budget and they're just a football fan uh, i actually would advocate on you know i think when i think entry-level budget uh i think basically something on there like 40 to 50 dollars. I, right. think, I think is fair right, right. so something under there uh, if you know if you go to uh we have a pretty good partner sponsor and uh you know shameless plug here but uh deadball I think makes awesome shirts if you have a football fan in your family i think they make awesome shirts for really any Um,
1: age too because the cool thing with with their stuff is they do retro style shirts yeah but they do not only players from back in the day like baggio maldini yeah but do you have some modern ones too like mbappe and and some of the lfc guys like mane and Firmino.
0: yeah so you know if you're looking for something that you know they're actually gonna gonna use and wear around i think that ball's a great shout
1: yeah and especially for so like a lot of issue with a lot of companies is they only make certain gear for certain teams right right the cool thing that we we have with with deadball is they have a request page so you can actually request a one-off t-shirt and with an image that you send them and they'll make the shirt for you which is awesome so if you're a juventus fan whether you're a roma fan whether you're a united fan or a liverpool fan they will make a shirt for you and then that's that's more of like a personalized custom gift that's like to your point, it's an, an entry-level budget, which is great.
0: Which is awesome. You know, it, it's not. Uh, it's very personal to Marston's point, and it's it's not going to break your bank, which is uh, I think something that's really great that they do. Uh, the other uh, other thing I would say for an entry level is if they're actually a player. Uh, you know, if they're actually a player, uh, I actually run through socks like crazy. Uh, I wear white socks only when I play. And uh, so anybody who gets me white socks, I'm always very, very happy about because uh, there's nothing worse to me than a gray pair of white socks. It's gross. It's, <laughs> I throw them out all the time.
1: So uh, some, some good level socks, maybe like, or like some grip socks, for example, for your boots. Yeah.
0: But even if you're just getting them, like you're running the mill, Nike Adidas, Puma socks, like some name brand, some decent name brand socks that they could wear while they're training and run through them. Because that's really what kills you is you, when you're running them through on training, you're just like, ah, oh, man. Like I gotta go out and spend like another ten, fifteen dollars on on that or on this. So,
1: right, socks. Socks. <laughs> socks. We're we're awesome here. We're so awesome. All right. All right. So let's move on to the mid-level budget. So okay. I would say mid-level budget would be anything between like fifty and like a hundred and ten, hundred and twenty dollars. Okay. So that, that's your mid-level budget. Yeah. So I'm gonna start this off, and what I've kind of noticed in my time lately and and something that I actually got you for your birthday a couple months ago is a signed uh memorabilia piece that's framed oh yeah so between 50 and 120 dollars you can get a lot of really good quality players I got Tim uh a Florenzi signed (laughs) because because he's a huge (laughs) obviously and and Flo is one of his favorite players so that's something you could find in that kind of budget I think memorabilia is really cool because you can get it custom for whichever team they want and if you know that they like a player like like Tim likes a Florenzi like mm. you, I can find a piece exactly for that player. So if he likes toti, you can get a toti piece. If I, like, if you're a UA fan and you like NetVed, like for me, for example, I bought some Nedved pieces. Yeah. So you can find a more custom piece, like to your point, it's all gifts are all about being personalized and being tailored to that person. So I think it's a great kind of like mid level kind of budget kind of gift, um, just to give somebody and make it seem like, Hey, like I thought about you. I know this is your favorite player. Like here's like a really cool frame photo for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, that's a great shout. Um, if you know what their team is, it's always a great shot. That's roughly the price of a jersey. Yep. I've never met a fan that was upset opening a jersey. Exactly. Uh, so. Or if you it's can a get them get... FIFA
1: to get them very angry. Yeah. Because <laughs> the gameplay is terrible. <laughs> so you can, if you want to really piss them off, you um, can get FIFA. Also, within that price range, you can get yourself, if
0: they're a player, a lovely pair of Nike Premieres. Ah, uh, here we go. The Nike Premieres. Uh, uh here we go. Best boot on the market as far as... Uh, as far as usage versus price and genuine leather, so I always advocate for the okay. for
1: the premiere. All right, so <laughs> Nike, sh- sh- Nike commercial sh- sh- over. Sham- shameless plug for my favorite boots here. All right, so let's and let's end it on an expensive gift. So this is okay. obviously going to range up anything over hundred twenty dollars or over a hundred pounds, hundred euros, whatever you right. want to call it. Uh, anything more expensive than that, yeah. uh, and obviously I think we'd kind of both agree the first thing would be a top tier pair of boots.
0: Top tier pair of boots is good, uh, but if you're somebody who prefers an experience over some practicality,
1: get match tickets match a ticket day tickets. tickets, right. Match day tickets make everybody happy. Match day tickets, you can guys, for that price range, you could probably get tickets for both of you and you can kind of do it as like a, hey, like you and me, let's, let's go to this. a game. Yeah, yeah. So we have some, so those are some uh, cool little ideas about things mm-hmm. that you could do for the holidays. I'm ho- I hope you guys enjoyed our little heated debate section today because <laughs> and the sniffles and the sniffles the revenge of the sniffles episode 6 yeah because um, we will be doing probably more player comparison uh, segments moving forward into the future um, and I'm going to post out that little poll for for later today um, in, in terms of seeing what you guys want in, in terms of feedback in terms uh, for the name our greasy debate and then obviously if you guys want to hear any specific topics or any players debated by us in terms of our opinions on them Uh, You can always add us on Twitter, and we'll obviously try to get back to you as soon as we can.
0: Yeah,
1: But until then, it's been real. It's been real, and you can also follow us at uh, PLUventino for me, and Footy for me. So you guys can always uh, give us a shout on Twitter, and we'll obviously get back to you guys, and we'll have a, a footy discussion as always. But until next episode, episode seven, later guys. Catch you later.